Today on Government Matters, the critical piece to solving the top cyber risks for federal agencies. Senator Angus King shares his recommendations for upping the nation's cybersecurity game. Sensitive information at risk for the Department of Veterans Affairs, my conversation with the VA's Inspector General on the biggest security recommendations for VA leaders. And the number one story of the week, the White House is looking at a new nominee to lead federal acquisition policy. Procurement experts share what could be top of his agenda. Government Matters starts right now. From Washington, D.C. and around the world, this is Government Matters. Thanks for watching the weekend edition of Government Matters, the only show covering the latest news, trends, and topics that matter to the business of government. I'm Mimi Gerges. The White House is considering establishing a Bureau of Cyber Statistics. The bipartisan Cyberspace Solarium Commission recommended creating the Bureau, the Bureau to analyze cyber attacks. Senator King is the chair of the commission. Senator, welcome to the show. Be with you. Why is this bureau important and why did the Solarium Commission recommend it? Well, maybe one of my favorite sayings going back 25 or 30 years is, does it work and how do you know? And you don't know what's working, what's not working, and really how to define a problem unless you, unless you have uh, some basis, some uh, statistical data, some uh, basic information. And so the Bureau of Cyber Statistics is designed to, to sort of fill that gap. Uh, as you know, uh, we have cyber responsibilities scattered throughout the federal government. And of course, cyber is a huge issue in the private sector. So trying to pull together uh, what's actually happening. And it's one way of determining what works. In other words, if we, if we uh, learn about a series of cyber attacks and we find that one company had two-factor authentication and another one didn't, and they were more successful in the place, then, then we'll know the two-factor authentication actually works. That's just a, a small example. But the, the bottom line is, uh, in order to get a handle on the on the nature and extent of the problem and what the solutions are, we think this Bureau of Cyber Statistics really makes a lot of sense. So the commission also recommended establishing a national cyber director. The Senate confirmed Chris Inglis last month for that position. Why did you feel that that new role was needed? Well, again, one of the problems with cyber is that it touches so many agencies and it's involved in multiple agencies throughout the federal government. And 85% of the target in cyberspace is in the private sector. So uh, we felt there was an urgent need to have someone uh, with the authority and the accountability uh, in the White House, appointed by the president, confirmed by the Senate, uh, who would have the heft, if you will, uh, to, to lead the, the uh, formulation of cyber policy in the, at the top of the federal government, but also uh, to work in a, in a coordinator fashion with all the various uh, agencies that are involved. Uh, a, a good analogy I heard the other day was that uh, Chris English, the national cyber director, will be the coach uh, and the quarterback will be uh, Jen Easterly at CISA, and the defensive and offensive coordinator will be Paul Nakasone at NSA Cybercom, and then, of course, Ann Newberger at the National uh, uh, Security Council. A really great team. I think one of the best teams that could possibly be assembled. But you got to have somebody who has overall responsibility. One of my philosophies of management is one throat to choke. 
And uh, we wanted, uh, I, I felt the president should have someone who he could say, okay, we're having, having this attack or we had an attack or we're about to have an attack. Who's in charge? What are we gonna do about it? And uh, Chris English is, uh, I think, one of the most capable people in the country, the best person who could be nominated to this position. So, Senator, what would you tell the director, Chris English, should be his number one priority? What does he need to do first? Well, I, I think the, the first thing would be two summit meetings. And I know that's a bit of a cop out because I said two. Uh, but the first would be a summit meeting with uh, federal officials. Uh, CIOs and uh, leaders in the in the uh, IT community throughout the federal government uh, to be sure everybody's on the same page, using the same software, uh, understanding the nature of the problem, uh, and trying to get uh, those agencies that aren't perhaps as as uh, up to date as they ought to be uh, where they should be. The second summit meeting is with uh, the private sector. As I mentioned, that's where the target is. We, we this is a new kind of conflict, Mimi. We we've always thought of of conflict and war as army against army, you know, battleship against battleship. But what we're really talking about here is that the the target space is in the private sector, and so we really need to establish a new relationship between the government, particularly the federal government, and the private sector, one of trust and particularly one of real-time sharing of information. The federal government can do a lot to help, has a lot of resources and a lot of uh, assets that it can bring to bear. The private sector has to tell us what's going on in real time. They can't wait a week and say, oh, we're being attacked. And, uh, and there's gotta be, we're, we're, we're talking about developing now, and one of our major initiatives right now is what we call SICI, S-I-C-I, Systemically Important Critical Infrastructure. And these are those uh, those private sector uh, entities like the power grid, uh, pipelines, water systems, financial system, that if they're successfully attacked, would really be devastating to the country. So what we're saying is burdens and benefits to the private sector, you need to report. You need to share information. And the benefits to you will be if you meet the standards that are being established, and if you share information, then you'll be protected from liability. And you know and that's a Senator, substantial benefit. Go. So we're looking for a, a, a two-way street to establish this relationship of trust that is so critical to defending the country. In, in the time that we have left, Senator, a lot of people in Congress want Chris Inglis to get tougher on those behind cyber attacks. What? How tough can he be and what can he do? Well, I, I don't think it's a question of Chris. I think it's the president and the president's already started that process. I completely agree that one of the things that's been lacking in federal cyber policy is deterrence. We've got to communicate clearly to our potential adversaries like Russia, like China, like Iran, that a cyber attack is an attack and that there will be a response. It may be cyber. It may be something else. It may be sanctions, uh, but they're going to be serious and uh, they're going to be, uh, you're, you're going to have to pay a price. And right now our adversaries feel like it's a free lunch. We're a cheap date in cyber. And uh, the president is beginning this process. He's communicated this to Putin in a meeting several weeks ago. And I applaud that, but I think it has to be absolutely clear and explicit that uh, a, a price will be paid for attacking the United States in cyber. Well, Senator, thanks so much. Clearly, there's a lot more to talk about, but thank you so much for being on the program.
Mimi, thank you for focusing on this critically important subject. Coming next, sensitive information at risk for the Department of Veterans Affairs. Straight ahead on Government Matters, my conversation with the VA's Inspector General on next steps for what leaders can do. You're watching 7 News. The Department of Veterans Affairs Office of Inspector General warns that undocumented personal identity verification cards pose a security risk. The VA's IG office found that none of the PIV cards tested met the security requirements. Michael Missel is Inspector General of the Department of Veterans Affairs. Michael, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. What does a PIV card give a contractor access to? So a PIV card gives a contractor the same access that VA staff have. Two important areas. One is veterans' health care information, and the other is personal data, such as Social Security uh, uh, information. And what we found was VA typically has about 30,000 contractors who do have PIV cards, as VA staff do. And if those cards are not returned uh, or aren't tracked, what could happen? What could happen is those contractors or people to whom they've given them to will have access uh, to this information, such as the healthcare information that I discussed, but they also would have access not only to VA property, but other government facilities. PIV cards are used across the federal government and they typically allow access to many government facilities. So what did the investigation find as to why the cards were not being documented properly or were not being returned? So under both VA rules and federal acquisition rules, um, the VA is supposed to know who has the cards and when the contract is over or they're no longer needed, they're supposed to have a record that they've returned them, that they've gotten them back. What we found, and we tested a number of contracts, that we didn't find in any instance they had a list of, an adequate list of those who had the, the PIV cards and that they were sorely lacking in making sure that the PIV cards were returned. And this is a serious issue. So how can VA leaders then ensure the accounting and documenting of uh, PIV cards issued to contractors? Is there um, a system in place? Does there need to be a new system? So we made 10 recommendations as part of our report. Uh, we said that VA needs to keep a list of who has the PIV cards. They need to ensure that the PIV cards are returned. They need to make sure there's oversight of, of the contracting officers who are responsible for the PIV cards given to contractors. There need to be controls in place. Um, and VA should look at whether or not there's other systems that are automated that could do this without having a manual look at it. So we, we provided these recommendations to VA. VA agreed with the findings, but we were very disappointed that they didn't agree with all of the recommendations. In fact, uh, they said it wasn't their responsibility at the Veterans Health Administration to do this, rather it was somebody else's responsibility. And when we pointed out that they had a regulation, a VHA regulation that required them to do that, they said they were going to eliminate that regulation. Well, so then, I mean, maybe 
we don't need PIV cards. Maybe there's a better way to decide on who gets access to facilities and systems. I mean, did you look at that? Yes, and PIV cards really are critical. Contractors do perform important responsibilities and roles at, at VA, filling in where uh, VA either can't do it or doesn't have the necessary resources. So they really do need these PIV cards. And it is not that difficult. Again, across the federal government, PIV cards are, are used uh, appropriately. And we, we provided what we thought were sensible and workable recommendations so that they get this right. So and we're going to keep monitoring this to make sure they do get it right. So if it's not that difficult, then why the, um, why the reluctance? It's really hard to say. They, they didn't want to take on this added responsibility. Um, and the, the uh, leaders at the Veterans Health Administration said this should go to other uh, leaders at the Veterans Affairs Department. Uh, we, we believe it's important for VHA to lead it since it's their responsibility. Federal acquisition law requires them to do so. Um, they're welcome to, to work with other uh, departments at the Department of Veterans Affairs to, to try to do it. But ultimately, it's VHA, which gives out the PIV cards. It's their responsibility to get it right. You know, Michael, the report recommends that final payment to contractors be withheld until all those PIV cards are returned and accounted for. Do you think that would happen? And how would that affect contracting at the VA? Well, that should happen. Again, it's, it's a pretty simple process here. They get a PIV card when they need it. They need to return it when the contract's over. When the contract is completed, there is a contract closeout process. Part of that should be to make sure that the PIV cards are returned. And under federal acquisition law, if it's not returned, then contracting officers do have the right and the ability to withhold final payment. So that was one of our recommendations in cases where PIV cards haven't been returned, which is a condition of the contract, that they should consider withholding final payment until they are. All right, Michael, thanks so much for being on the program and for, for that report. Thanks so much for having me. Coming next, the number one story of the week. A new face could be coming to lead the Office of Federal Procurement Policy. Straight ahead on Government Matters. The challenges ahead for training and hiring acquisition employees. You're watching 7 News. Now, the number one story of the week, President Biden plans to nominate Biniam Gabray to lead the Office of Federal Procurement Policy. If the Senate confirms him, Gabray would face challenges running the OFPP, such as hiring more acquisition professionals and making it easier to buy cutting-edge technologies. Angela Stiles is partner at Aiken Gump. She's former administrator of federal procurement policy. Jim Williams is partner at Shamback and Williams Consulting. He's run acquisition operations at numerous government agencies and was the first federal acquisition commissioner at the General Services Administration. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Angela, let's start with you. What do you see as some of the biggest issues facing OFPP right now? Uh, the most significant issues are really the Buy American Act uh, and cybersecurity. Uh, they are critical uh, to this administration and I think critical to um, all of the agencies of the federal government and figuring those out is the biggest task before OFPP and really being a leader in those areas and navigating 
what the government needs and what contractors can provide and what's required of contractors. So, Angela, as a former administrator yourself of federal procurement policy at OMB, what would be your top recommendations for Gabray if he's confirmed in responding to those challenges that you just outlined? So I think being the leader on procurement, what you found in the Trump administration is that the General Services Administration really took over as the leader in procurement. But that job should be at OFPP, in OMB, in the White House. But I would tell you the most important thing is to rely on the staff at OFPP. It's many of the same people that were there when I was there. They know this job. They know how to do it. There are just excellent people at OFPP and OMB and trusting them to really help move this agenda forward. And Jim, what do you think about top priorities and um, how he can address that? Well, I think he's got a lot of reactive things. As Angela said, you have, having to deal with the new Made in America provisions and, and looking at the challenges in cybersecurity. But I think there's, there's challenges everywhere. You look at how this administration is trying to leverage that $600 billion to, at the very least, look at their top four priorities of, uh, you know, the pandemic, the economic recovery, climate change, diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. All of those are going to impact those $600 billion uh, in procurement dollars. And I think you get that done through the workforce. The workforce is very important. I would agree with Angela wholeheartedly. The staff at OFPP, Leslie Field, Matt Blum, uh, Joni Newhart, they've been doing a great job for years. And I think this is a very positive step for this administration that they've nominated somebody this early. They've nominated somebody who's clearly smart as a leader, has private sector acquisition experience. So I, I think this is you know, great. And if you look at his LinkedIn post, who can't like somebody whose title is aspiring uh, best dad in the universe to two ambitious daughters? You know, so he's a very, very uh, grounded person. Well, let's go back to the workforce issues that you just mentioned, Jim, in how to hire so many acquisition professionals. What do you think of that, and what are the best ways to go about that? Well, I think partnering with universities and being out there talking about uh, an acquisition career. Both Angela and I have had careers in federal acquisition, and I loved it. And, and I think convincing young people, you know, when they're coming out of college or veterans, uh, to come into this, the VA has a great Warriors to Workforce program for training acquisition leaders. That ought to be leveraged government-wide. I think that that's a, a great program. But I think there is a, an aging workforce here, and, and we're going to be losing a lot of the knowledge and leadership. But on the other hand, there's some great young people in acquisition right now who are future leaders. I see them in every federal agency, and so just leverage them. So taking care of them too. I, I can't tell you how this pandemic and the contracting and the grants and the new programs and the amount of money going out the door has stressed the current acquisition workforce. That needs to be acknowledged. Their well-being needs to be taken care of. I would say if there's any workforce that is more stretched than right now, it's that workforce. And and to be a leader um, of, of those people, obviously Jim's so right, like we need to recruit people and tell them what an amazing world it is to work in acquisition. 
but also making sure those people are acknowledged and taken care of. Well, Angela, the Biden administration has recently announced several initiatives, such as Buy American, you mentioned that before, supply chain security, helping small disadvantaged businesses. These initiatives fall under the OFPP umbrella. Do you think they are doable for the new administration? Or do they go counter to the priority of speed and efficiency of getting these new technologies out? Oh, I, I think there's an incredible tension between those two. Uh, you know, if you want it to be safe and you want the supply chain to be safe, um, it does push up against, you know, efficiency of the transaction, efficiency of the procurement, buying things commercial off the shelf. But frankly, at this point, I think the supply chain and the cyber issues are critical and building our defense industrial base, which is really what the Buy American Act is about and what the Made in America executive order is about, are very, very important issues. And so, you know, the job of the administrator is to figure out how to make the right balance there and push forward um, with what we need as a country, but also being able to buy the technologies that help us run the country. Well, we'll be watching this nomination move through the Senate. Thank you so much both for being on the program. Thank you. Thank you. Don't forget, if you miss an episode of Government Matters, it's at govmatters.tv. You can get a preview and recap of each show when you sign up for our daily newsletters. You just enter your email in that red box on the website. I'm back in two minutes. That's the latest from Washington. Join me weeknights at 8 and 11 on WJLA 24-7 News and next Sunday morning at 10.30 on 7 News to stay plugged in on the issues that matter to the business of government. Thanks for watching. I'm Mimi Gerges. Thanks for listening. Our daily program is produced by Katherine Roloff and Drew Friedman. Christy Marriott leads our technical crew. Our web editor is Beatrix Haddon. Our director of content is Alan Holmes. Visit govmatters.tv for articles, videos, and more. Government Matters is recorded at WJLA-TV in Washington, D.C. Copyright Sinclair Broadcast Group.